Welcome and great to have you join us as we go off script with Sam Monk, Senior Leader of Equippers Church. Enjoy today's podcast. Hi and welcome to episode 11 of Off Script with Sam Monk. It's great to have you with us. We're talking about leadership lessons, what's worked and what hasn't. And Sam, this week we are doing a bit of a part two or part deux for all of our French listeners. Uh, Talking about leading in uncertain times. And uh, uncertain times aren't always a bad thing. You know, we often want to live kind of comfortably with convenience, but uncertain Mm. times aren't often bad. But they do reveal things, don't they? Yeah, they do reveal things. I, I was it was revealed to me in our very first lockdown of how much the propensity that I have to eat, uh, yeah, and to put on weight really quick. <laughs> that was revealing that I had yeah. to actually figure that out. And that was there all along. It's just you had an opportunity to express <laughs> to it. To express it exactly. Thank you. But what's what do these times reveal? Like, what do we uh, give us some context for this? Because again, we're talking about leading in uncertain times. We covered that off a couple of weeks ago as well. Uh, but what is what do these times reveal for us? How do how do, yeah. how do you Think well, about a filter. Yeah, in uncertainty, you got to draw on what's within you, and so often we don't know what's in us until we're in an environment where it actually draws out that which is with within you. And I found uncertainty and pressure do that. And I like, um, you know, in fact, at the beginning of this pandemic, I was led to a scripture in Psalm one thirty one where it says, um, "You know, I do not consider my, I do not concern myself." with things that are too awesome for me to grasp. And there's things right now that are just so far and beyond my control. Right. I could think about them all day, every day, but it's not going to benefit my life. And and I like the psalmist's response. He says, I do not concern myself with stuff that's beyond my grasp. But he said, I've calmed and quietened my spirit. My spirit is like that of a weaned child that's no longer dependent on its mother's milk. Uh, my soul is like that of a weaned child. And he goes on and says, I put my hope and trust in God. And I I like um, that psalm because I found it a real challenge because what stuff, it got me asking the question, what stuff am I dependent on that isn't good? Right. Because <laughs> we can have unhealthy dependencies. Yeah. And I think this season has revealed um, in a lot of people's lives, in my life, stuff that I've been dependent on that God doesn't want me dependent on and I've got to wean myself off those things. So there's some kind of, there's some unhealthy things that we've unwittingly, like you say, have been there potentially all along. So there's a real worry sometimes that there's things in us that have been there all along, but it's only in sort of times of uncertainty or pressure. pressure yeah. yeah, pressure that these things are revealed. So how do we think through this then? How do we, like what if they're there the whole time and we don't have these pressure moments? Because often we, we try and, I don't know, do we naturally try and run from pressure? Do we try and, do we like it? Like, I don't really like pressure, but I know that, you know, I know that I can probably look about, you know, moments in my past where pressure moments have actually really helped me. Yeah. Well, I think they serve us to actually reveal what's in uh, in us. And so often we can be running, but we can look at our neighbor and go, why are they running faster than we are? And and we don't realize that we're carrying baggage and we're carrying stuff that is weighing us down. And so pressure gives us the opportunity to get rid of some of that baggage. Isn't it interesting today that we've given our baggage wheels? 
<laughs> so that we can take it around everywhere. They're really convenient, though. They're really yeah, convenient. They're really convenient. But uh, we transport our baggage with us wherever we go. Right. And so often we have a build-up of baggage and we're, we take on things and we're wondering, man, why am I struggling? Why is this really hard? And a lot of the times it's because we're carrying unnecessary stuff or our security is in, in wrong places. Right. So talk about blind spots then, because the, the, so again, because there's things that we again we maybe don't know about ourselves until they reveal, but we can all carry blind spots, can't we? Yeah. Oh well, it's like we can be dependent on things and not even realize it. Yeah. You know, it's until you stop drinking coffee, you don't know how. Well, don't go. You don't need. To, I don't. I think that's unnecessary to go there. <laughs> you don't know how dependent you We've are. We just had a whole on bunch it. of people unsubscribe to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the shakes, the different things. You know, sugar. You know, you you start a fast, yeah, and, and you know it reveals. Oh man, <laughs> it reveals eight days in the sciatica that you get and the muscle pains and the cramps that you get for sure. And I think this season, you know, with the pressure, with the uncertainty, is actually reveal where our security lies. Yeah, is like, oh man, I I haven't got the same routines, you know, or I don't know if my job. <laughs> I'm going to still have a job or I don't know what church is going to look like or, yeah. you know, school, different things. Our securities can be in a whole lot of activities and a whole lot of external stuff. And I think this has been a great opportunity to wean ourselves off that, our security off those things and really put our faith and our trust in God. So are we, am, like, am I the problem? I mean, am I part of the problem by the way that I think? Like if I... It, that's a great psalm that you shared. Like, am I trying to then concern myself with things that God's saying? You don't actually need to concern yourself with those things. Yeah. Like, am I part of the problem? Am I am I enabling the problem by fixating on things that I can't actually change? Or yeah, well, I, I think it's to recognise. I think Deuteronomy twenty nine twenty nine says it well. It says the secret things belong to God. Right. So they belong to God. The stuff that is just out but there. But sometimes I want to know them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we all do. And that's the control freak inside yeah. of us well, that, yeah. that wants to know all the details. But I found God is sometimes very short on details. Yeah, yeah, he calls us to live in this place of ambiguity. And I like the statement one person said, faith is not removing ambiguity. It's calling us to live in it. And so often faith, you know, we want all the details. We want certainty. But faith doesn't remove uncertainty it just says man i'm going to put my trust in god and the secret things going back deuteronomy 29 the secret things belong to god but the revealed things belong to us and 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 generations and what what we've got to understand is the revealed things you know a lot of us have got things that god's revealed to us that we've done nothing with oof oof so, um, <laughs> <laughs> pause for a moment to reflect on that. So, I think all of us have got enough to go on in the revealed things, but it's almost like we want to know the things outside of our control so that we don't have to do anything about it. Because <laughs> it just reminds me of so many meetings I've sat with you over the years where you'll put something out there, you'll reveal something about something. And then you'll get peppered with questions. Cool, what about this? What about that? What about that? I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. But learning to, can you just touch on, can you give a nice off script comment around ambiguity? Because ambiguity is something that I think um, has really characterized a lot of our journey, I guess, even in in an Equipus context. Ambiguity is something that we live with a lot of. And, And 
in in my mind, you know, a good leader should be able to deal with a level of ambiguity without knowing all the details and being able to run with that and make something of that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Well, just even in a team environment, you want people on your team who can solve problems. Yeah. The danger is there's one person in the organization, the leader, yeah. <laughs> who solves all, all the, the problems. problems. Yeah. And I've thought sometimes, you know, in the employment of staff, you know, staff are coming to me with a problem and I'm going like, well, what am I employing you for? Yeah. I've employed you to just come to me with the problem. I've employed you to be actually, to actually solve the problem. Yeah. And so often a lot of people go, well, no, that's too hard. I want somebody else to do it for me, but we're not growing and developing people yeah. if we're just giving clarity on everything. Yeah. If, you know, I need, you know, everything defined. And I think so often we want things defined that don't need to be defined. I remember, I think it was Chris Hill uh, years ago at Shout actually made the comment, you know, a good leader is able to um, put out fires, not create more fires. <laughs> I thought it was yeah. quite a good line actually where, you know, you're there to, you, you, you've got to actually think on your feet. A leader needs to be able to deal with the information and actually create something with it and put out fires rather than actually continue to ask more questions or and you sometimes don't have all the information i guess people come back to you and they go sam what about this what about that and there's probably times where you go i don't know i don't i don't actually know all the detail either yeah like you may not even know the 10 point plan yeah well sometimes you know there's a danger in that we solve all our kids problems for them right but if we're solving all their problems if we're still tying their shoelaces at the age of 18 maybe we've enabled behavior that's that's not good. And I think a part of leadership is creating instability. Right. There's a new thought for you. Ooh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, enough instability that, that it reveals what people are dependent on. Um, it's like, you know, if you pull the rug from out, out from somebody, it's like they want to stabilize themselves. So they'll grab hold of something. They'll grab hold of something. And so often in that, moment of instability that they'll grab hold of stuff and they'll go oh I don't know if I like what I'm holding on to because a lot of our dependencies are on material things mm. they can be on financial things they can be on you know just even the opinions of others and in the end God wants our dependency to be on him not not anything else that's that's where true life flows from and, and I guess you have, so are you trying to create, it sounds harsh to say you're trying to create unstable environments, you're not, but also you're happy to live with instability, you're happy to live with not knowing everything and you're happy with your team to do that because in the process of navigating that forward as a team we start to navigate things and people start to grow yeah. you know the name of our church is equippers we're here to equip people for life through faith in jesus that's a that's a slow burn though at times isn't it yeah because it's not things don't happen so quickly yeah because we want people to think and navigate and form and yeah right well there's nothing like when you solve the problem yeah if somebody because it's your tells, win it's your win then right yeah if somebody tells you the answer is like they're going away going hey but when you solve the problem, when you worked it out, when you over, when you, you know, overcome a situation, it's like you get the benefit of that. Yeah, you get it. And so the danger is if a, if one person's doing all that, there's only one person benefiting from it. Yeah. yeah. And I think we don't like instability. None of us like like it. But we've got to learn to celebrate it. And that's that's where James was saying, count it all joy when you fall into various mm. trials. 
And he's saying that because you've got to do the math from a divine perspective and recognize that those trials are actually forming and shaping something in you where he says you'll be perfect, complete, and lacking nothing. But, but it's through the trial that it, that actually happens. So are there some kind of areas, you know, again, think about some phrasing that we use. There's no, don't go their zones. Are, are we holding on to things, some sacred cows that we kind of go, you know? Yep. Don't, well, I don't go there, don't touch that. I don't know. Is that helping to form some of our maybe dysfunction around this stuff? Or? Well, so often we build structures in that to support our dysfunction, right. to make us feel good about our dysfunction. Yeah, yeah. But some, some of our structures we've actually got to challenge because they're just limiting um, limiting people and limiting what God can do through something. Um, I love uh, one person's definition of what a sacred cow is. Um, I read this years ago. I, I don't know the name of the person who, who said it, but sacred cows, he, he said, is protecting. Um, it's your fra- favorite imperfections that you like to protect. Ooh. <laughs> okay, it's good. You know, there's some things that we go, okay, don't go there. Don't go there. Here's the thought. If you have some don't go there zones, um, they're normally sacred cows. And we we have saying we're going there. Because if we can't go there, there's no freedom. Right. And we want to live in freedom. You know, if there's an issue, let's talk about it. If there's a problem, come on, let's let's find a God answer in the middle of that problem. And uh, I think sometimes, you know, we have more sacred cows than we choose to acknowledge. We like to think that we have, yeah. Um, And I suppose, you know, uncertainty, going back to uncertainty, going back to, um, I guess, kind of lockdown environments, um, really interesting about, about convenience, you know, like all of a sudden it's kind of like we didn't have to do a whole bunch of things. You couldn't go out and physically do things. And so... It became convenient, I guess, for a lot of people to not do a lot of things. Yeah. But convenience is probably something that we're really struggling with today, eh? Convenience yeah, well, is something that we're really battling. Yeah. I reckon convenience is the sacred cow of modern society. Yeah. It's like we've got Uber Eats, you know, delivered yeah. to you. So handy. <laughs> we've got um, a whole lot of things just at the, the touch of a button. You know, even when it comes to filling in forms today, you don't even have to get a pen out. It's all done online and there's autofill. <laughs> <laughs> it just autofills those forms for you. How, how convenient. How convenient. And our, our society is more convenient than it's ever been before. And, you know, some of those conveniences aren't serving us. In fact, I reckon in some places they're dumbing down society. And what it dumbs down in church, I believe, is conviction. Mm-hmm. Wow. Because what we get is we get a lot of consumer Christianity, uh, Christians. It's like, you know, uh, what can I consume rather than a church that's built on conviction? And in the end, I, I really want to make sure that what we're building is something that's going to last. And I found if it's based on convenience, uh, the challenge of that is you've got to make things more and more convenient. So you could say so this. And I guess in that context, do we then sometimes, you know, we, I don't know, we change, we talk a lot about changing programs. Oh, we need a different program because people are getting bored or whatever. But that's the program's not really the issue. We we talk about culture, aren't we? Yeah, culture. Yeah. And if you change a program, you probably won't face much opposition. Right. If you if you address a culture and the values of that culture, that's when you get, you've got to fight on your hands. And right. that's where a lot of leaders, you know, they're just dealing with the surface things, programs, 
but there's an issue in the culture. And the problem is, you know, we have enabled people's dysfunction because we've built programs that are all around convenience. It's not convenient. Following Jesus is not convenient. No. Taking up your cross is not convenient. Um, it wasn't meant to be convenient. You know, his words were very challenging. In fact, you know, we find in Scripture there was a time where a lot of the disciples, a lot of people left following Jesus because uh, they couldn't handle what he was saying. And the disciples looked at him and he goes, oh, well, you want to go too? Right, yeah. <laughs> You're free to go. There's he he, he wasn't yeah. even trying to convince them yeah. to stay. Yeah. And I found how you win your friends is how you keep your friends. Yeah. It's yeah. like if you take a little kid on a walk, if you take them on a walk and they say, pick me up right at the beginning of the walk, how many know you're carrying them it's true. We've done, the, the whole there. way? Yeah, and in fact, there. the moment you put them down, it's like, <laughs> pick me up, pick yeah. me up, pick me up. And, and it's like that. It's like we've got to teach people to walk on their own two feet. Yeah. And too often, I think in some places, we're picking people up where we actually should teach them how to walk. Yeah. And that's, that's the danger. If you, you, you win people, you're going to have to keep people that yeah. way. And really, we've got to disciple people, you know, disciple people so that they can walk on their own two legs. And that's why I guess we're not in the entertainment industry, are we? You know, this is not about entertaining people. This is not about finding even creative ways to engage people. I mean, if Jesus sort of said, you know, pick up your cross daily and follow me, like that's not an attractive proposition yeah. by itself. And yet he was the most attractive, yeah. you know, person to hang around. Like people wanted to be around Jesus. He was thronged all the time, but he didn't make it easy for people. Yeah. I, so there's going to be something in there. Yeah. Well, it's not about entertainment, but I like that word entertainment because it really it means to capture somebody's attention. Right. So we want to capture people's attention. Great, yeah. But what are you pointing them to? Yeah, great. So it's, it's, it's okay, let's capture the attention, but let's make sure its foundations are rooted in the relationship that we have with God. It's not, founded, it's not based on a program. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's been a challenge for a lot of people because we haven't had the programs <laughs> that we've had um, before the pandemic. Yeah. Programs have changed, yeah. You know, and so uh, how dependent have I been on programs as opposed to uh, how dependent have I been just in my connection and my relationship with great. God and my connection with the family of God being the church? Yeah, that's great, Sam. Great talking about leading in uncertain times. That's part two of our two-part series on leading in uncertain times. Again, if this has been helpful, please uh, share this podcast or mention it to different people. Um, go and subscribe. Uh, we'd love to again hear your feedback uh, from the podcast as well. Otherwise, uh, have a great week and we'll see you next time for Offscript with Sam Monk. Thanks for listening to Offscript with Sam Monk. If you found this podcast helpful, make sure you pass it on. We love your feedback, so drop us a line about what topics you'd like to hear about on Offscript with Sam Monk.